Good morning, Giles Stanford, and welcome to the Can Marketing Save the Planet podcast. Giles, you're the Director of Global Events at CSM, and Gemma and I are absolutely delighted to be speaking to you about the role of events and sustainability. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's it's very kind of you to to invite me, and I hope we can explore some of the um, event industries, the ins and outs of the sustainability like a big onion you know you peel off layers and layers and it gets more you know convoluted and interesting as you get deeper into it i'm sure it does we're looking forward to it so give us a bit of background give us a bit of a backstory about to how you came to be doing what you're doing and your focus on sustainability um so i i mean i've been invent in doing events since the sort of mid 80s so been a long time in it and it has changed hugely over over that period and but I got really into the sort of sports world um, following Manchester Commonwealth Games, which Christ, was nearly 20 years ago now. Um, and then joined up with CSM just prior to the London Olympic Games. And the London Olympic Games had a very strong sustainability policies. And, and, and the team within the organising committee were, were on your case constantly, co- pushing, 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 pushing. So we really had to raise our game. Um, and consider sustainability in every action and turn that one did, how you procured things, how you did things. Um, and I think this is following the lead from the, the construction. The event industry had always been over here, and the construction industry had always been over there. Olympic Games is such a big project that the two come together. And we, all the suppliers, were forced to, to, to be more sustainable, to consider it at every time. And I think after the Olympics, it kind of, Everyone, everyone was, to be honest, a bit bored of it. We thought, oh my God, we've, we've had enough of that. So, and it kind of faded away, but definitely in, you know, since 15, 2015, it's come right back, uh, right back at us. And all the events now are very keen on um, how, you, how we do stuff, what the sustainable ambitions are of the event and how as a supplier, um, how we can design the events to be more sustainable, how we can implement them. So it's kind of not taken over our life, but it's it's a really important part of what we do to try and produce events and and all the all our clients, whether being corporate ones or international federations, of which there are a lot, you know, a lot of them that we deal directly with, are you know are focusing on it. And and I think part of that is driven by by possibly you know the consumer what what the consumer wants, but also by a general desire to, to to do the right thing, to think we've got to do something. We cannot continue on this on the path that we're going on. So we've got to do better. And and I think that's and that's a lovely target to have. And that's what, you know, I think everybody in their own funny way, small or large, is striving towards. I mean, it's so interesting. I was I was reading some 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 of the initiatives that are going on around um, sporting <clears throat> events and specifically football. And I mean, some of the things that are happening are about is it the Forest Green Rovers who are nominated the world's greenest football club by FIFA, and um, they're doing things like 100% renewable energy, an organic football pitch, electric powered equipment, and they even have 100% vegan food and beverages at concessions. So, you know, there's there's really is something going on. There is, yeah, everywhere. I mean, can you yeah. tell us some of this stuff around those initiatives and and how you know and what's actually happening within events? Because I mean, that was I thought that was brilliant. There's lots. I mean, there, as you the. There are so many good ideas. I mean, that's a wonderful thing about the event industry. It is it is very complex and dynamic. 
lots of people involved, lots of stakeholders, whether it be public or private. So, but there's a lot of in- innovation. There's lots of space for people to come up with cracking good ideas. You know, you, some of the festival, you go to Glastonbury or some of the sort of further, the more ecologically friendly festivals are doing some wonderful stuff. And, you know, from plastic recycling on site to, uh, um, I mean, right away through to a, a larger, to London Marathon, who have got rid of all the plastic bottles that they used. As you ran along, you had a bottle mm. or a cup. They now give you a little seaweed sachet that yeah. you drink the water from, throw it out, and, and it dissolves when they clean the streets. So there's lots of really clever bits of innovation coming through. Um, and it can be big or it can be small. But And each club, I think each club or federation has the opportunity to, to, to lead um, and, and, do, and to, to take the lead to force the supply chain to do actions. And, you know, some of the scale of the events that we do, um, it's all about material selection, um, how we choose to do things, kind of reducing the, the, the logistics. You know, how can we be smarter about what mm-hmm. we're going to do? And then you take the downstream side of it, of the, the repurposing, the recycling. Um, but if we can design things better, um, and make them reusable. Um, that means they're not a one-time use. And have trying to build up that relationship with clients to to extend the longevity of what we have. And that can be sometimes just not putting a date on something. Um, as simple as that. But there's lots of um, there's lots of nice materials coming through. There's lots of activity for recycling. Yes, particularly in the if you're going to an event and the catering. Um, of recycled cups and keeping plastic cups. I mean, I was working down in Rio on the Olympic Games, and people, but you, you bought a yellow cup to have your have your drink in. Um, it was sponsored by a beer company, actually, but people collected them. You know, a different cup for a different sport, and people would collect these things, and that was great. They weren't going in the bin, and that's you know that's a good thing. There's probably on the beach now down there. You probably see thousands of them. People using them. And that's, that's, that's a great solution, very simple. And there's lots of stuff at that level going on, but there's more senior, more sort of strategic thinking actually going on as well in how to, how to offset the carbon of, of the larger events. Um, lots of projects going across. I mean, the, the, the Commonwealth, um, the Queen's Commonwealth Canopy is a big project around the Commonwealth Games, which is obviously next year in Birmingham. So to offset um, the carbon... There's a big tree planting program tied into tied into this into the Queen's Commonwealth canopy, and so there's lots of good initiatives out there, but a lot of them are quite nascent and are slowly gathering speed as more and more people get involved in them. I was I was going to make that point about you know there's some obvious things, isn't there? There's some there's the we've all seen the photographs and, and, and news stories after a festival or after a big event and you yeah. often see you know the mess and the waste yeah. a little bit like yeah. we saw the waste in the in the seas and you and you do think so of course of course um sports organizations and sporting events and any event would want to be kind of leaving no trace clearing up their mess that that makes sense but where do you think as you said strategically is it is is sustainability now right at the heart of the planning of an event? Is it kind of right there on the agenda to say, well, 
let's look at everything we do through a sustainable lens from the logistics, from the waste management, from the innovations, from the how we get people to and from places, uh, from the impact we have, uh, you know, that carbon footprint. Is it, do, would you say, Giles, that it's right there now at the strategic kind of planning stage? Um, it, yes, I, I, yes, it is. Uh, but it's, it's still difficult to execute everything that is is required um i mean we just have started on the birmingham commonwealth games and you know we're a month into the into the contract and already we have lots of conversations with sustainability um on how we're going to measure our carbon input Mm. where we want to offset it um where what materials we're going to use what is the downstream and what's the post event purpose of these things and we haven't got the answers to all of that but we we during the initial processes, you know, during the tender process, there's lots. You have to. There's an awful lot of documentation um, and proof of concept that goes in to prove that you can do what you, you're going to do, what you say you're going to do. Um, but I think a lot. I think yes, it is. It is definitely at the forefront of people's minds, and I think you know, different organisations, different clients have it at different places on their agenda. I would. I would like to think that it goes higher up. Um, every you know, every month that goes by, I, you, you, as I said earlier, we can, if you compare us, the event industry to the construction industry, you know, in in terms of procurement of how people choose companies to work with, we're still five ten percent of the value of of the tender is sustainability terms in construction. It's way up in 30 percent, mm. and and I think that's where it should be. Um, so people who are being innovative and really doing what they're saying on the tin, they get the work. Um, and, and I think that's why we need the clients and the federations and to drive that forward and make sure that it is, it is at, actually at the core of what we do. Um, and, and also, the, you know, the, the, the challenge is post-event as well. So you, we have a responsibility after the event. It's not like close the doors, right, throw it, or, you know, that's it. And and I think the what we're trying to do from, from from a contractor level, from what we do, is kind of work with the clients to 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 have a longevity of contract. Mm. So we have see this thing, see the product for a full life cycle. Um, so we can say exactly what happened to it three or four, five, six months after the event, um, or we're just taking it to the next event rather than changing. You know, and there's you know changing contractor each time. Is is just not beneficial to a sustainable model. You know, you're reinventing the wheel, reinventing stuff. You're not, you, you know, you're lots of single use. Um, and and the event industry typically, I mean, forever has been an an event. It has been a rental. You know, marquees, stages, generators are all used again and again and again. Um, and what we do more about the branding and the signage is a bit more difficult to do that, but it's not impossible. Given that um, COVID is you know, in 2020 kind of threw us into this online world whereby, you know, everyone got used to less travel, less going places, doing more online, doing more online at scale. What are your views around the mix between virtual events and live events moving forward? Because obviously virtual events require no travel, there's less carbon footprint involved, you know, so where you have regular fixtures, I guess, like football, um, what are your views around, do you think there is a possibility in a future world whereby some will be purely virtual 
Um, yeah, yeah, I suppose to a certain extent, look at esports. You know, they are huge and it's all virtual. Okay, the final of Fortnite is, a, is still a big gig. You know, it, it fills 20,000 people. <laughs> but still, you know, there's a lot of people around the world who are following that on online. Um, I, I think it's been extraordinary. I think it's, it's been interesting to see that everyone's taken to it. You know, I'm quite happy watching a football match now yeah. just with the sound on. Fine. And, but I, I don't think it's ever going to ask the question, do we need fans? There's always going to, you know, we human beings have been crowding around to, to see entertainment for millennia. So we're always going to want to do that. But I think there might be, you know, eventually people, you know, events trying to reduce their carbon footprint and try and reduce long distance travel um, of thousands of spectators. I think the, the, the virtual world is going to, is going to get better. And I mean, I would love to, have an environment where you know you have a sort of holographic projection of the event on your on your living room floor you know and you can watch 3d football just there or it's a holographic thing in a in a in a pub or something and and i think that technology is coming and i think covid has accelerated that massively but also in terms of of, of planning um there's very it's, it's turned you know we used to send people off you know to do site visits, to do this, to do that, you know, on a, get on an aeroplane for a couple of days. Um, and now it's, can, you can do it all virtually. You know, you can do a 3D tour of a venue, look at it, take a measurement, um, visualize it, say this is what it's going to look like. And, and everybody's got used to that. And, and I think that's, that's going to be a big change and it's going to help people, you know, measure their carbon output and, and reduce their output, reduce it for them which is, you know, ultimately what we're trying to do. <clears throat> I think that's what we need to do. It is what we need to do. And I, th I, and I think yeah. you're right. Uh, many industries, many sectors are going to have this balance of, it's almost like the, you know, when we used to talk about AI taking over the world and reducing all the, it's like, well, no, we're still going to need people to think, but there'll be certain tasks that we don't need humans yeah. for, and we don't need those aspects for. And I, and I suppose it's a little bit, COVID has introduced to us, well, you know, just to do some of these tasks, we don't need to fly over there for a day. We can now do that virtually. However, there will be other things that we do need to do physically. And so it's that it's that balance, isn't it? A yeah. question for you, Giles, and it's a thing that often comes up on the podcast. I know when we were researching the book, um, this aspect, this element of collaboration in industries and the importance I mean you know you're running these sports events managing these enormous sports events there'll be other organizations like you in the sector you know the industry is significant isn't it how how do you all and is there appetite for you 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 mentioned that the kind of one hit usage and single use of some of these things. It doesn't make sense sometimes for uh, an organization not to kind of have a sustainable pathway with a, with a partner when they're putting their events on. But what about this collaboration and people in the sector coming together to really support one another? We've seen it in the fashion industry. You know, you see some brands working together on certain coalitions around sourcing products and, and sourcing, a, you know, a more sustainable uh, environment, a more sustainable footprint. How is that, do you think, growing or impacting or happening within the sports industry? I think, um, yeah, I mean, to, to move, for, you know, we, collaboration 
you know, is is the sort of spark of innovation. And but we're still a commercial world. And, you know, you don't want to collaborate too much with your competitors. But sometimes joining up with them means that you can, you know, we can act better and quicker. And so that kind of works for us internationally. Um, and you find that, you know, this particularly this year, um, there's been a lot of work done by some of our clients, sort of I- the IOCs, the UEFAs, the FIFAs, um, the big sporting federations. And looking at, you know, looking at the events abroad, we've had to collaborate with local suppliers. So we, you know, going back, you might have made everything in China or Poland, shipped it into in country and used local workforce to, in, to install it. But now actually they're saying, no, 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 no. We want you to work. We want your expertise, but we want you to work with the local supply chain. Um, and so what we, companies that we would have typically competed against are now part of the stable. You know, okay, yeah. okay we can work together. What's the best practice? And, and it's looking at what is best practice. And if that is the most, if the most efficient way is to work with the local supplier who, you know, we might compete with globally, um, that's that's what we've got to do. And and sometimes what we've done is um, we, we bring the knowledge but we need the local. We need the local supply chain. We need the local talent, local skills. Um, so it, it's that's probably the best way. But also some of the materials. We do a lot more collaboration now with um, material suppliers, trying to you know what is the best specification. We we get forced. I mean, we do a lot of work with Formula E, who have a very um, they're very focused on the sustainability with their their cousins over in Extreme E, and we have. We have had a long contract with them, but we can then go to the manufacturers of materials and say, right, we will order X, you know, the large quantity, which will mm. make them push um, push the boundaries of what are new and better materials because they know they've got a buyer for it. Um, and that's, we can play intermediary, um, yes, but also provocateur to try and push um the suppliers to do better because we've got the trust of the of the client mm. to 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 balance that, and, and it is it is vital. But but everybody is important in that chain. You know, we need the the clients to be pushing mm. um, or be prepared to take the risk and say, yeah, I'll try something different because I know that's what we got to do. You know, if every client sat on his hands and said, no, we're not going to do anything different. We just want this. Um, no one's going to move forward. No. Um, So we try to push them and move forward, but we need our supply chain. Um, We need to to come up with new ideas and innovate and change and such. Yeah, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because you say you can influence the supply chain. We talk about single-use plastic and events are hugely, you know, with the the water bottles, with the cutlery, with the plates, with everything that, you know, is used in an event one time. I think, you know, there is an opportunity there to influence both clients and supply chain to say, look, there is so many innovative solutions out there and alternatives to plastic. And as a collective, if, you know, the industry, the events industry says, we will no longer be using single-use plastic and recycled is an option that sits below leave no trace. So, um, and, and then educate clients into why it is better to use those. Then I think, you know, you have a really positive role that you can play there, which you can effectively shape to allow these 
innovative solutions to become scalable? Because I think that's the problem, isn't it? If they aren't scalable, we'll never beat the plastic problem. And, and, and you need, what they need is that a lot of these nice little ideas are coming from small little companies mm. who need a step up. And to have a big event or a big corporation say, yeah, I really like your, your idea and partner up with the little guy, that makes a huge difference. I mean, I mean it, just tomorrow morning, I've got, we are, I've got a single-use plastic workshop for Birmingham 2022. And there's lots of ideas that are getting thrown in the mix. And, you know, it's a big part of Birmingham's marketing to sell tickets, to sell sponsorships, is going to be their sustainable agenda their awareness of everything from carbon footprint to diesel generators to um, carbon offset in the end, single you know, plastic. So there's a big agenda within the events now to, to drive it forward. Um, and there are many opportunities for them to, you know, to do the right thing. And, and, I, and they'll have to because, because the, the consumer, that's what they want to see. They don't want to see come to an event and it's just throw away plastic cups you know have a beer and throw it in the bin they want they, they kind of want a souvenir to take but they also want the thought process there mm. that they are buying into an event that is considering this and and doing it yeah. which is yeah. important wonderful yeah wonderful and do you do you what what would you say the biggest challenge is for the sports industry um with regards to sustainability is it is it that the vastness of the supply chains is it you know there's probably a number of things what, what would you say the biggest challenge is yeah yeah so sports is enormous yeah um i, I if you t- at its most basic level i suppose i think air air travel is the biggest challenge yeah to the sports industry um you think people flying everywhere, whether it be fans, whether they be spectators, whether it be equipment, whether it be horses, the sports industry crisscrosses the, the planet. Mm. Um, and that's probably its largest global footprint is mm. air transport. And I think any way that they can, re- individual sports can reduce that um, or offset it in a really um, objective way, mm. so it's meaningful. Um, that has got to be a really good thing. But trying to, you know, stop stop people travelling to go and see their favourite football club or whatever, you know, or, or whatever it happens to be is 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 going to be a real challenge. Um, and yeah. it would be a shame if it just becomes a cost prohibitive thing. But you'd like to think, you know, I was I was thinking about this the other day. You know, Formula One travels the world, and it's it's a wonderful event. It does this, but they have a lot of stuff in aeroplanes, but those guys are the brightest engineers, mechanical engineers on the planet. You know, you never know. With a few years' time, they might come up with a fantastic fuel, a biofuel that reduces the output of their travelling circus. And yeah. that's one of the outcomes of, of Formula One. I, I don't know, but I think that's where the innovation to, to keep these shows on the road, they are going to be thinking very innovative and techno- technologically how to do it. And and that's got to be a good thing. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, we, we, we wrote about carbon um, offsetting in, um, in the book and, you know, it, it's not ultimately a solution, is it, in terms no. of, it's like, I've read one analogy where they said it's like just moving the food around on your plate. You've still got the same amount of food on your plate. You're just shuffling it around to make yeah. it look less. And I think 
there are things, I mean, the most obvious ways and the ways we have to do it are to stop deforestation, to stop destroying the oceans. Um, and, you know, tree planting is a fabulous, wonderful thing, but there's an 80-year lag attached to that because trees take time to grow. Um, but I think, you know, and then I've been watching stuff around the potential tech, which is very, very in the future that can become a carbon sink and, you know, help do the same as the oceans and the trees. But yeah, it's an interesting one because, as you say, people want to travel, events need to travel. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of things going on. It's just, I guess, collectively thinking about how do we offset with meaning? So um, I think that's something exactly. that we and face. Exactly. And you know, we look, you know, tree planting, we were looking at a project the other day that was um, trying to persuade um, communities in East Africa from cooking on charcoal. Um, so there's, yeah, you're right. There were different ways of doing it, but actually what we need to do is to work out how to reduce and not make as much stuff exactly. in the first place. Um, and, that's definitely, you know, the agenda. I think in a lot of um, a lot of events now, how can we do it better? What do we actually need that? You know, in I'm so, some of the stuff we made, you know, with the right purpose in mind for London 2012. We'd now look at that thinking, oh no, don't we don't need that? We, you know, looking at the next Olympic Games, I don't need to make that any longer. There is a more technologically viable way of doing that. Yeah. Um, or there is a simpler way that doesn't mean I need to make a hundred bits of plastic. I can make one. Yes. And and that's a learning process that we've we've learned, and I think the whole industry's learned because we're looking at it through a different focus. <clears throat> yes, yeah, absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see where and how things get regulated. Um, I mean, at the moment, organisations aren't they? They're, they're kind of everybody's aware of it and doing things but and we know that there are investment issues where you know the investments mm. investors are now looking aren't they for sustainable plans and 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 things so businesses react to that yeah, abs- you know absolutely. and they, they have to react to that but i i do wonder if there you know more taxes on air travel more it, it'll be interesting to see where where that goes and the impact that that actually has i'm sure some things will be dropping out of cop 26 with regards to uh, of, regulation of course, yeah. and, you know yeah. what and yeah i mean in in france they had a you know remember a couple of years ago when a lot of brands were getting some in trouble for dumping their clothes which they didn't want to sell yes. cheaply um, and they changed the law that all the textiles have to be recycled or repurposed. You can't just burn them because you want to protect your brand. And and that's had a big impact on the, you know, for all events. And we use a lot of a lot of textiles to brand and do that sort of stuff. Yeah. And but it's forced the industry to create a solution to repurpose textiles. Um and it actually, I mean the, the hub of the technology is in northern Italy, where they, they've been repurposing cotton and wool for a long time. But now they're getting much more into synthetic textiles. And, and I think if that change of the law really accelerated the process to do that. Yeah. And, and that's, that's fantastic. It's going to be a few moving parts, isn't it? A bit yeah, of regulation, yeah, yeah. innovation, a consumer, uh, you, you know, desire and appetite, employee desire and appetite, investor employee, you know, appetite. It's it's a, there's going to be a number of things, no doubt. Yeah, but- and, and there's a, I mean, an interesting piece of legislation, I think, next year called Enhanced Producer Responsibility, mm. which makes the, the producer responsible for the thing all the way through its life from a 
cigarette butt to a can of Coke, you know, it's the responsibility sits with the person who made it in the first place. And they have to work out the full life of their, of that product. And I'm sure it's more complicated than that, but that yeah. is in, in essence what it, what it does. And I think that's going to make a lot of people really consider um, how they produce stuff, how they design things and how yeah. they can reuse it um, after its initial purpose. <clears throat> Long time coming, but it's, yeah. it's yes, it's in, indeed, yeah. indeed, yeah. indeed. Brilliant. So we love to end the podcast, Giles, uh, asking all of our guests the same three questions. So I'm going to pose the first question to you. You know, this is all about the marketer. We're in this. We're, we're, we're talking to to marketers and and businesses. So, can marketing and the role of marketing save the planet? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, yeah, we. Marketing spent the last 60 years selling us everything. So it can spend the next 60 years not selling us anything. You know, how to, it can market to us to be better to, and, and I, my, one of my favorites was a Patagonia company who had that advert, don't buy this jacket. Yes. I think that sums, you know, that's the way marketing should be going. And, and if everybody has that view of circularity, reuse, and, Marketing can definitely do that because it's a, it's it's communication and it's very clever people nudging in the right direction and moving the train of thought in the right direction. And you know, you see what it's achieved in the last sixty years. It can certainly achieve in the next sixty years. Um, what's got you know what's got to happen to to change people's perception of where we live? <clears throat> yeah, it's about awareness, changing behaviours, yeah. and um, yeah. and and driving innovation. So, question two. What do you hope business looks like in 10 years' time? I, I, I touched on it a bit earlier. I would really hope that from a business point of view, you are, we are selected on being the most sustainable. <clears throat> it's, okay, everything's going to come down to price at some stage. But, you know, I would hope that when we all walk into a pitch, the first thing we talk about is how sustainable I'm going to be for my client, and how sustainable we are in what we do. And that really makes everybody say, okay, and then we'll talk about, about price. But that, I think, would be a step change in the way that businesses does. Is, is That is the first question. That first thing you talk about when you go to a pitch is sustainability. I like Absolutely. That. Love that. Yeah. Love, love, love that. And so if, Giles, you could give one piece of advice to a marketer about getting started with sustainability, what would it be? take little steps buy don't buy don't you know if we all do little bits it the aggregation that is a big move um if you can persuade your business to um to take the low-hanging fruit and then set some ambitions don't go too big too early um you it's there is still a lot of people out there who are non-believers who need to see the advantages so small steps and and actions you know don't just talk about it do some stuff um and if you tell everybody what you're doing people will will like what you do and you will get yourself more business um but yeah keep yeah start small um, great great advice great. Great advice. Well, Giles, I've absolutely loved learning more about the impact and what's happening. I'm quite I'm I'm I'm, I'm 
opt- very optimistic about what's happening with regards to the sports industry and the sectors yeah, and yeah. hearing more about and researching more about what's been doing done. There's a lot of positive aspects going on there. So, um, you know, that, that must feel good to be part of that and you're moving in the right direction. Well, thank you so much for joining well, us. Nice to chat. Yeah, fantastic. So good to have you on on the show. Thank you so much. And, um, and we look forward to getting this out there. 